In a fleeting instant of historical time, the world has seen transforming events flit across its television screens. The crumbling of the Berlin Wall and, with it, the unification of West and East Germany. The war for Kuwait and the Persian Gulf. Scud missiles flying into Israel. Arabs and Israelis talking peace. Serbs and Croats at each other's throats. Armenians and Azerbaijanis killing one another over a centuries-old conflict and most extraordinary of all, the demise of the Soviet Union as we have known it for most of this century. In the United States, the cover of Newsweek magazine asks, Was Cleopatra black? And elsewhere across America, on campuses and in state education departments, debates rage over the multicultural curriculum, emphasizing the historical roots of diverse ethnic groups and Afrocentrism, a field of study that emphasizes the contributions of early African civilizations. At the same time, many Americans seek new labels for themselves, African-American, Lithuanian-American, Ukrainian-American. Suddenly, geography commands center stage attention, because at their heart, all of these issues are questions of geography. During his 1988 campaign for the White House, George H.W. Bush often said he wanted to be known as the education president. But as one Washington wit said in the midst of the Gulf War in 1991, we didn't realize he was going to teach us geography. If nothing else, the world certainly did get a thorough geography lesson during Desert Storm, as nightly newscasts and special bulletins from the front lines in Kuwait showed detailed maps of the Middle East and the Persian Gulf. With a daily diet of military press briefings by a host of generals and air marshals, names and places once familiar only from a distant past of childhood fairy tales or Sunday school Bible lessons suddenly became household words. Baghdad. Arabia. Jerusalem. The global village never seemed so small, and people around the world who never gave much thought to maps, except when they needed to find their way to a vacation spot or to puzzle out the mysteries of the New York City subway system, were looking at world maps with new eyes, even as those maps were being redrawn. All at once, Americans, along with the rest of the world, were contemplating geography, perhaps for the first time since leaving elementary school, Unfortunately, for most of those people, the word geography conjures up images of musty textbooks or being forced to memorize the names of capitals or elementary school assignments in which you pasted a cotton ball on maps of Alabama and Mississippi, a copper penny on Utah, and a grain of rice on China to show the chief products of these locations. But now geography, or thinking geographically, has been thrust upon us. We can no longer afford the blissful ignorance of thinking of the world in terms of the famous New Yorker poster by artist Saul Steinberg in which New York fills the foreground while the rest of America and the world beyond appear as insignificant bumps on the horizon. The irony of this modern inability to think geographically, or sheer disinterest, is that it is so far removed from the thinking of the past. From the earliest moments of human history, people have had to think geographically in order to survive and for the world to progress as it has. It was that ability to observe the world and make reasoned conclusions about the earth and the universe itself that began the march of science. Geographic Voices Aristotle, 384-322 B.C. Furthermore, the sphericity of the earth is proved by the evidence of our senses, 
for otherwise lunar eclipses would not take such forms. For whereas in the monthly phases of the moon the segments are of all sorts, straight, gibbous, and crescent, in eclipses the dividing line is always rounded. Consequently, if the eclipse is due to the interposition of the earth, the rounded line results from its spherical shape. Who invented geography? Imagine this. You've been shipwrecked and washed up on a desert island, a modern-day Robinson Crusoe. A selective amnesia has erased any memory of dates, places, seasons, or time. You have no watch, no maps, and no recollection of where you were when your ship went down. How long would it take you to figure out the time of day, the season, the month, the approximate date? You notice that the water comes way up onto your beach and then goes back out later in the day. Why does it do that? As you lay back in your tropical paradise and looked at the night sky, could you distinguish among those pinpoints of light that move through the heavens? When would you plant some crops to keep yourself fed? After all, coconut milk and wild berries only go so far. Do you know the distance to the other side of the island? How would you measure it? And what about your approximate location in the world? You've forgotten latitude and longitude exist. Do you know where in the world you are? If you manage to figure out all that, could you then determine what shape the world is and how large that world might be? Well, the ancient Greeks, or more accurately, a varied group of people we have lumped together and called the Greeks, managed to do just about all of these things. Of course, it took several geniuses working over the course of a few centuries to pull all of this together, and not without a few substantial mistakes that were kept alive for most of the next twenty centuries, influencing everyone from the hierarchy of the Roman Catholic Church to Christopher Columbus.